Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Asia-Pacific markets are rallying this morning following a strong performance on Wall Street on Friday. The Nikkei is up 0.8%. Shares in Seoul and Sydney are trading higher as well. Investors this week will have their eyes on central banks as they watch for news of how the Fed and others plan to handle inflation. Joining me now as we break down all the market action, how's the weekend, Ryan Wong? It was fantastic, Michelle. How's yours? Oh, busy, busy, busy as always. Glad to be back. Now, this morning, we focus on tech companies. Let's start with one of the world's largest largest software and database companies. It sells infrastructure and applications for cloud computing. On Friday, its shares enjoyed their second biggest day in 20 years. So which company am I talking about? I'll tell you in a moment. But first, the shares of this tech giant jumped more than 15% on Friday. And this happened despite the fact that it is reporting a loss of more than 1 billion US dollars in the past quarter. So the name of the company is Oracle. Ryan, why exactly did Oracle shares do so well after reporting a loss that big? Yeah, so that loss, like you pointed out, $1.25 billion. That reverses the net income of $2.4 billion in the year-ago quarter. So that is a big reversal and you might be wondering what's going on here. So this was due to a payment resulting from a long-running dispute related to a former CEO, Mark Hurd. So he had a few issues and this in a way is a one-off payment and this is pretty much shaken off by investors and they are still quite happy with how Oracle is growing and the likes of Deutsche Bank actually upgraded Oracle to a buy rating raising its price target from 110 to $120. So you've got them saying Oracle reporting its cleanest quarter in several years beating on all the right metrics and guiding above expectations for the rest of the year. So it is quite bullish on Oracle's strategy and that is pretty much in line with what other investors are looking at as well, growth across the board. Following the earnings announcement, Deutsche Bank upgraded Oracle to a buy and it set a target price of 120 US dollars a share. That is about 17 higher than on Friday's close. The big jump in Oracle's share price on Friday has vaulted the company's chairman, Larry Ellison, higher up on the list of the world's richest people. Just how much is Ellison worth now, Ryan? Yeah, that rally is actually the second biggest in the past 20 years and it helped Ellison to become almost $16 billion richer as of Friday's close. So that brings him ahead of Google's Larry Page, who was worth $126.3 billion. Sergey Brin also from Google, $121.7 billion. And now you've got Oracle Larry Ellison in, I believe, fifth place. So he is just behind Bill Gates, who is worth $139.2 billion. Ellison may be particularly happy about jumping ahead of Google's founders on the world's richest list for a couple of reasons, aside from money and ego, of course. Earlier this year, Oracle lost a case at the U.S. Supreme Court over a long-running copyright dispute with Google's Android operating system. Google also ahead of Oracle in the market for cloud infrastructure. Now, on the topic of tech counters, the NASDAQ 100 is shaking up its constituents. So who's in and who's out, Ryan? All right, let's start with the names you might be familiar with. Mm -hmm. So we've got the likes of Airbnb, 
Lucid, the EV maker, cyber security firm Fortinet, Palo Alto Networks, and Zscaler, as well as Datadog. So all of them will be part of the makeover going in, coming out. They will be replacing CDW Corporation, Fox Corporation, Cerner Corporation, Checkpoint Software, Trip.com, and Insight Corporation. So this is significant because typically when companies who join the index, they get a bit of a lift because more funds will need to buy them to make up the index uh, replication. And also, part of this makeover was in line with a broader approach to improve the liquidity for the Nasdaq 100 and to make it more reflective of how things are um, performing overall in the um, index. So that's the gist of what's happening for the makeover happening on December the 18th. Uh, worth bearing in mind that stocks' value don't always um, go up after their inclusion in an index, even though hedge funds that track the index do tend to buy it as they need a counter for their portfolios. Um, but in two out of three cases, the stock price actually does go up on the first day after an announcement like these, according to a study by NASDAQ. For our next tech story this morning, I'm going to turn to Amazon. You may recall that Amazon Web Services suffered a major outage last week that has brought down popular services like Disney. Plus and Coinbase. Amazon's problems are another business opportunity and in this case, a new IPO definitely appears to have benefited from Amazon's woes. So Ryan, who's the company and what does its success tell us about the future of cloud computing? We are looking at a company called HashiCorp. So they went IPO just two days after the whole mess from Amazon Web Services. So the context is how AWS is a provider for many cloud databases and servers for the likes of Disney+, Plus, Netflix, Robinhood, and many media servers. So typically, a company would not go beyond shopping for one cloud server. But here, HashiCorp gives another option where customers or clients can diversify their clouds. So using AWS, Microsoft, and Google, or any other cloud you want. So a multi-cloud approach. And it's pretty good timing. Going IPO just two days after that huge mess around AWS, which caused a lot of disruption to many companies. So it is putting them in a very good light right after the AWS nafu. We're going to keep a close eye on HashiCorp going forward. Amazon Web Services, meanwhile, says it will make it easier in the future for customers and the public to track any issues with its services. All right, Ryan, are you ready for our next tech company? This morning, it fuses exercise with AI. I'm talking about Peloton. Now, it was a darling of the pandemic as more and more people exercise at home. Of late, though, the shares have not done so well. And on top of that, a reboot of a movie that I'm sure Ryan has not watched, Sex and the City uh, on HBO took a shot at Peloton. So, A, have you watched the movie and have you heard about this? No. Have you watched it, Michelle? Not even. And I'm a fan of the series. <laughs> okay, I'm sure it's going to be on your to-watch list sometime in the next few days or weeks. Uh, so, the backdrop to this, this company called Peloton, right? You might not be familiar with it, but uh, they have exercise bikes which are interactive in the sense that they track data and they have some new tech involved like screens they can watch stuff on. So, a lot of interesting features. So, here they have a bit of a brand placement in Sex and the City, the reboot like you pointed out, but not in a positive light. So, spoiler alert, somebody dies in the first episode because of a Peloton class. So, that really triggered a round of negative publicity because people asking questions around Peloton. Hey, 
are you really controlling your business properly? Because this is really bad messaging and branding. Are you, you know, controlling your marketing efforts properly? How can you let this happen? So that raises a lot of questions. And now here you have the company responding on Twitter to say, hey, um, actually that guy is... Alive! Alive. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure how true that is, but I'm, I think they were pressed to do something. And here you have their response. We we'll have to keep an eye out for tonight's trading action to see how investors react. Oh, Peloton, Peloton. It's going to need more than a good parody video to regain its former glory, though. Peloton shares are down 75% since the beginning of the year. I want to zoom out now for a bit of the macro picture and take a quick look at inflation, the Fed and yield curves. So, Ryan, what is the latest on the inflation front, particularly over in the US? I mean, how fast are prices rising over there? Well, guess what? Inflation is still quite high. So, no surprises. The word transitory is fading into the background. US inflation at 6.8% in November. That is a 39-year high. So, the highest since 1982, June. So, this is really putting the pressure on the Fed on what to do next because they've been saying, hey, it's going to be transitory, it will fade away. Mm -hmm. But here you have all the supply chain issues still contributing to it, some some of it demand-led as well. So they'll be under pressure um, to do something to tackle inflation. So typically what central banks do to address inflation is to raise rates. And that brings to question what they might do to set up that stage because they've been talking about tapering, quickening the pace of tapering. Indeed. So all eyes are going to be on the Fed and other central banks this week. Around 20 central banks expected to meet in the days ahead. What exactly are investors expecting, Ryan? Yep, 20 central banks. So a bit of an alphabet soup, the FOMC, the BOE, the BOJ, the ECB, all in action. And in a way, you have the same issues they are all facing. Rising inflation... Omicron, and the US in particular, you now you have tornadoes as well to worry about. Um, so they have a lot of issues um, and they have been trying to normalize policy for quite some time. Some of the countries have been in a better position to do so. So they have been in the so-called hawkish or tightening camp. The others may not be in that strong position, the weaker growth countries. So they are lucky to stay put. So if you look at what we have in the days ahead, first up is the FOMC. Mm-hmm. By Thursday morning, Singapore time, we will be getting more uh, insight into their latest policy decision, which is the last meeting for FMC this year. We are expecting them to say they will quicken the pace of tapering, which in effect will mean um, more leeway for them to raise rates next year, as soon as June perhaps, and the second one perhaps in November. So that's what the market's looking out for. Alongside as well from the Fed, a dot plot graph that should give a bit of an outlook. So that'll be worth watching because we've seen so many Omicron jitters and now the tornadoes. So a lot to watch when it comes to a Thursday morning. And then you have the likes of the Bank of England, another interesting central bank to watch because now you have Boris Johnson warning the UK that they are going to be due for a tidal wave of Omicron infections. And he has raised the danger level or COVID alert level to four 
Form 3 in light of the surging cases. So this is the second highest. The highest it can be is 5. So the alert level corresponds to how strained the medical service is under. So that's what's going to be watched out for. And the pound has been under pressure since its comments. It's down 0.8% at 1.3256 versus the greenback. So that will put more pressure on the BOE to also do a bit of a balancing act, you know, because the economy now under more pressure and hiking those rates are not going to do any favour. So by and large, most people are watching for no changes from the BOE, but maybe some commentary around expectations in the coming quarters. BOJ, there'll be another bank to watch on Friday. And this is against a backdrop of rather weakish growth. And the BOJ also not expected to do any changes. So we are by and large expecting them not to make any changes until sometime in 2023. So We'll be watching out for their comments on whether they might actually delay even further beyond 2023. So that's going to be for the BOJ and most major central banks will be staying put on their policies. The bond markets are showing signs of scepticism when it comes to rising interest rates. The yield curve is the flattest in a generation. Give us a quick primer. Now, what does that mean, a flatter yield curve, and why is it important? Okay, a flatter yield curve typically is a sign of a central bank tightening. And we have actually seen that happening in uh, the likes of New Zealand. That's um, something that's panning out because they've been talking about tightening. And if you look at where we are for their spreads, um, if you look at the spread between the 5 and 10 year swap rates, that fell to one basis point from 11 basis points right after the R. BNZ made its decision last month. So that is off the back of tightening and it just reflects how market watchers are expecting more tightening ahead and indication that some of these upcoming policies that they expect to materialize will be bad for economic growth. And that will typically put the pressure on the long-term yields and essentially flatten it. All right, great primer, Ryan. Before we check in on markets this morning, it's time for a quick game of up or down. Are you ready, Ryan? Let's go. Bitcoin mining. Bitcoin mining, I am going with up. And that is around headlines. It has totally recovered from the recent ban in China on everything to do with Bitcoin. So mm. it has apparently seen them back to the same level of mining since earlier this year. Exactly. So up for Bitcoin mining, data from blockchain.com shows the level of Bitcoin mining is up 113% over the past five months. So completely recovered following a Chinese ban on the business earlier this year. Next, let's look at Bitcoin's value. Yeah, Bitcoin on another roller coaster ride over the weekend. So we are now seeing on Sunday a 2.1% jump to make it back above $50,000 level. So that key psychological level is uh, something that could help with some support. And it's also worth noting it's off the back of Friday's positive action in the stock market. So a bit of risk appetite coming back and helping Bitcoin. I'd say down as well, yes. Bitcoin posting its fourth straight weekly drop this week after hitting an oil time high. Bitcoin currently trading a bit shy of 50,000 US dollars a token. Next, let's look at the COVID threat level in the UK. I would say it's down because things are going up for cases 
in the UK. Mm-hmm. So alert level going up to four from three in light of new cases there. So something of a gloomy Christmas for the UK. I'd agree with you. The COVID threat level definitely moving up after British Prime Minister Boris Johnson warned of a, quote, tidal wave of Omicron cases. Next, let's look at COVID infection rates here at home. Okay, I think that's going to be a down for me. So we are looking at some improvements on the COVID front and some experts are saying no, Singapore is on track to further ease COVID-19 measures soon. Yeah, down as well. Uh, Singapore has recorded 30 straight days of that low COVID infection rate in which the rate is less than one. We should also note that the Omicron variant of COVID-19 has been detected in two people in Singapore recently, both of whom had received their booster shots. One works at the airport and the other recently travelled to Germany. Let's turn to Singapore now. We are 23 minutes into the local trading day. The Straits Times Index lost ground on Friday, but still managed to finish up 1% for the week. So how's the SDI starting off this Monday morning? Yeah, so 1% up for last week. And here we have a green Monday for the SCI. It's up 0.7%, 3,158. So looking at where we are for the STI, mostly green, only four counters in the red. And right at the bottom, Semcop Industries, 1.5% down, followed by Dairy Farm, Jardin Matheson Holdings, and Jardin Sarkan Carriage. Let's take a look at the top of the table. And we have the likes of City Dev. So they are now... Now, up by around 2% at $7.13, followed by Taibav up 1.5%. Confidagro, SIA, DBS also right at the top of the list. So that's the picture we have for the STI. A good start so far. Wonderful. Thanks for being with us here. Ryan Huang, I'm Michelle Martin. Coming up, Chinese artificial intelligence firm SenseTime delaying its Hong Kong IPO. We'll tell you why in minutes. Before acting on the information on Money FM. Please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.